It's really important to be clear. This is the riskiest plastic surgery procedure that anybody does. The death rate is estimated at around one in 2,000 patients. The reason that it is so risky is that fat, when it's injected, can go, there are some big veins in the buttock region and there are no valves there and the fat can go get inadvertently get injected into a vein and it goes straight up to the lungs. Hey Refam, I'm Kate Wagner and this is Keeping It Real, the podcast that warns you about procedures with insanely high mortality rates. This week we're talking about the infamous Brazilian butt lift or BBL if you're in a hurry. Now, maybe you're like me and you thought the BBL was behind us, no pun intended. Maybe you thought that we as a society had moved on after we learned how dangerous it was and saw some questionable results, but that's actually far from the truth. Around the world, BBLs are still experiencing exponential growth. Here at RE, we certainly get asked about them a lot less than four years ago, but at least a couple of inquiries trickle through every month. So let's hear what Richard and Kim have to say about the surgery and why you might want to sit this one out. We have definitely referenced this in past in, you know, talking about changing trends, but we haven't actually gone into depth about it. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, obviously, its popularity is widely attributed to a certain celebrity family, uh, as well as commodification of black bodies, etc. in the past kind of couple of decades. It does actually go back to the 60s, though, in my research, and has evolved since then into a lot of different iterations. So for this one, what exactly is a Brazilian butt lift? Generally, what it means it relates to is injecting fat into the buttock region. So, or increasing the buttock region. And, and commonly now that's with fat. You can actually put implants also in there like you would a breast augmentation. Although that seems to be less common now. And I can't understand how that operation could be done without any complication. I mean, there are enough issues with breast implants, let alone if you are sitting on them every day. Uh, but it's, it's, it's augmentation of the buttock region. So I think specifically the Brazilian butt lift does refer more so to the fat injection in there. And so um, what the appearance people is often looking for is like the super sculpted waist and hip area. So those um, that's where the fat is usually ha- then harvested from so that they've got it as slim as possible. Um, lower back, waist um, and abdomen and then all the fat that's removed from those areas is then injected into the bum to make it round. Um, Harvested was such a good visual there. That was good. Do you want me to describe how it's harvested? Yeah. Um, so it is, it's, it's, it's fat grafting or fat injection is um, you, you have to get the fat from somewhere and inject it in somewhere else. So essentially the technique to remove it is liposuction. So whereas in normal liposuction, you suck out the fat and you chuck it in the bin, whereas this you treat it. And there's many, many ways to treat the fat because what you want to end up with is the pure fat. So you don't want any oil, blood or fluid with it as well. So um, the commonest techniques to treat the fat are um, centrifuge, where you put it into 
um, syringes or little containers and spin it really, really fast and it separates the com- out the components. And um, other techniques are to just let it sit and so that the components then separate out. Um, some surgeons that I used to work with actually will put it into a metal sieve so they'll actually get a kitchen sieve. Stop and uh, yeah, no, no joke, I'm serious. Wow. It's hilarious. So from a, you know essential ingredient or chef's hat and get a purely metal... Uh, serve with really, really fine holes, and so put what you. It's suck the fine out. holes. That's the key. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to keep and the f- sterilize it every time. Yeah, sterilize it every time. You think I'm joking? I'm just totally not. I joking. don't think you're joking. And <laughs> what you're seeing is fear in my eyes. <laughs> and don't in between, you can make a loaf of bread. It's yeah, terrific. Yeah, don't yes. don't do this at home. Uh, yeah, sterilize. Although you could do it at home you because could. it yeah. is. <laughs> Actually, a sieve, a sieve. from home. And in fact, I, I think I have you. the perfect one at home, but I yeah. ha- don't use it for that. I haven't home. tested it out. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no, there's no medically quali- like great. There's no medical grade sieve. Mm. So, put the fat and the products that's been sucked out of the live suction into the um, sieve, and then rinse it. So you're washing the oil and the uh, blood off it, and then. Um, it's fit, whatever technique is fiddly and messy. And uh, fat grafting last week, I ended up getting uh, some on the ceiling of the operating theatre and good also effort. some all over the anaesthetist. She had to go and change her clothes. It was an accident and I apologised profusely. But you didn't do that on purpose? It's, uh, no. That's a good party trick. Yeah, it, it, it's messy business um, dealing with the, the fat and just getting it. As pure as possible before you re-inject it. I'll make your head spin even more. Usually to push it through the sieve, they use an a actual spoon. spoon. <laughs> like a big spoon? Just your average spoon? Dessert usually spoon. dessert. <laughs> <laughs> Not so wide as a soup, but bigger than a tea. <laughs> Terrific. Um, so you just mentioned then that you do we do fat grafting in breast lifts, augmentation, any kind of breast surgery. Um, Not always, but it is an option. So why is when they talk about fat injections in a Brazilian butt lift, why is that seen as dangerous as opposed to it's quite common usage in breast surgery? So I think it's really important to be clear. This is the riskiest plastic surgery procedure that anybody does. The death rate is estimated at around one in 2,000 patients which is not a risk i'm willing to take the reason that it is so risky is that fat when it's injected can go there are some big veins in the buttock region and there are no valves there and the fat can go get inadvertently get injected into a vein and it goes straight up to the lungs like a pulmonary embolus um, and basically the patient is uh, not salvageable on the table. They, they can't perfuse uh, oxygen through their lungs and they would die instantly. So that's sort of one of the bad things about it, probably number one by a mile. Um, so neither Kim nor I do it. Um, there are arguments that you can, that maybe those veins are a little bit deeper and you can avoid them and there are zones you can be in um, and stay superficial, but um, it's, there's, there's still risk associated with it. There's also studies that people have done with on yeah. um, cadavers where they have been, you know, tr- training or practicing where they would 
say, the safe areas to inject are and then they look where that fat's gone and there's, there's minimal control. So even when you know what's safe and we try and put it in the safe areas, it's very, very difficult to control that so much. And, and we see that when we're doing body lifts. We see those big veins um, coming through the muscle into the subcutaneous tissue where you're meant to, where you should be injecting it. The other issue is, though, um, as I've talked about a lot in breast surgery, the more you inject, the the lower the survival because the graft, like any other graft, whether it's a skin graft or a bone graft, needs to establish a blood supply. So it needs to be close to uh, a blood uh, vessel where, or, or, or the potential for blood vessels to grow into it. So if you're putting in big uh, globules of fat in the centre of that globule, the blood vessel's not going to reach the centre of it, so that part dies. Add into that, sitting on it and the pressure, um, and, it, and, and it takes maybe three or four weeks for a, a, any sort of graft to take, and no one's going to not sit on their butt for three or four weeks. So I think you see a lot of really great photos on table, and anyone could get a great photo on table. You, you could inject 500 cc's into a butt on the table and it look awesome. And the other thing is you're often harvesting the fat from just above the buttock, which carves that area out, which then accentuates the buttock even more. But I think the results that look really awesome beyond sort of three weeks where the fat starts to dissolve are, I would guess, 90 to 95% Photoshop. And also... Beauty, did I beauty. did I did I undercall that? Uh, <laughs> no, I I don't think so. But um, even in those people, if it the um, images from the operating table, even if that lasts, it's I, I guess beauty in the eye of the beholder. But it, it's really one of the most unnatural appearances you can see. So that's why fat grafting's really dangerous in Brazilian butlifts. So is the reason that it's um, pretty much par for course with breast surgery because the space that you're injecting the fat is more receptive to it, like less danger zones, and you're also not sitting on it, so less pressure? Yeah. And so we do fat graft for, for breasts, but we don't do fat grafts to breasts as an alternative to breast implants. So, so we're never injecting you know, 300 cc's, 400 cc's into a breast because the same issues that we t- I talked about earlier of volume and blood supply would apply. So when we're using fat graft in a breast, it would be in a, say, a breast augmentation, maybe if someone's very thin-skinned and you want to try and camouflage the implant or increase cleavage a bit. The other time where I commonly would use it, it would be in a a breast reduction when someone wants a little bit of fullness in their upper pole. But the volumes I'm talking about would always be well under 200, like 100 to 150 would be sort of the most common per breast that I would I would be injecting. So Whereas the, a BBL is around, <coughs> what, 400 to 500 compared I would say 100 or 150 into a buttock region would You're make... You're not going to notice it? No, that'd be nothing. Okay. And that's, yeah, a, a small amount will make a small difference in a... So if if um, you think of a hundred and twenty five mils is half a measuring cup in the kitchen, so it's not actually a very large volume. So if you add that 
or subtract that from your bum, it's not going to make a big difference. But um, if you think if you're putting that into the cleavage or the upper part of a breast, it, it is going gotcha. to add, um, add enough. And and the other thing about safety is that there's there's not those same blood vessels in the breast as there are in the bum. So what's the difference between a Brazilian butt lift and just a butt lift? Is it the injection of the fat? So they're totally different procedures. So a Brazilian butt lift is what we've been talking about so far, and that's injecting fat into the bum. Whereas a butt lift, in the how I would define that, is we're actually cutting skin out, which is usually from just above the top of the bottom. And so you're essentially pulling the skin of the bum up. And usually for us that would be the back part of a lower body lift or a circumferential abdominoplasty. Um, I've probably done it three or four times maybe as an isolated procedure where a patient has lost weight and their their stomach skin is actually retracted and is really um, uh, not – they don't have excess skin on their uh, their front part but they've got sort of a saggy bottom or some excess skin on their hips and around their back – um, and the other times so I've done it in isolation is if a patient has already had a tummy tuck elsewhere and they haven't done the butt lift is that you, you're essentially completing that lower body lift. Gotcha. And because I've noticed a lot of um, patients who've had a body lift, they will talk about how their bum disappears. Does, is that kind of work, how breasts work and the drop and fluff and it comes back if they're getting a butt lift? Yes and no. I mean, we're not. Really, we're not adding to the buttocks. So it's so th- the problem with weight loss patients is their buttock looks very long because it's very, very droopy. So it's lower than what a normal buttock would be. And they've often got some fullness above the buttock in the what's called the lumbar region. So their, their bum kind of starts at their waist and it ends uh, below the, the where the normal buttock would be. So we're not adding to the buttock i've tried different things over the years but none of them really increase the volume to the buttock in a long lasting way so what i've i've tried more recently is that i try and um, sculpt the upper upper part of the buttock so the lumbar region which gives more prominence to the buttock and then by lifting the skin as kim was explaining you take away that skin that's sort of the what's called referred to as the banana roll area. So you're shortening the buttock. So I, th- I think this sort of flattening of the, top, the, the buttock, it, it's not really – it doesn't flatten it. It, it. Like if there's no volume there, there's no volume there. But you can add – augment it as sort of indirectly by subtracting from below it and above it, which makes the, the buttock look more shapely. And it, it does relax a little bit. as it, I think you're talking about that drop and fluff. Like every, every operation we do, we pull it as tight as you possibly can at the time. And, and a lot of these patients, especially the significant weight loss ones where they've got that real buttocosis or so the droop of their bum, that you pull it as tight as you can during the surgery and it will relax afterwards. Um, the other thing with a lot of these patients is that they have a low um, body muscle mass as well, like particularly if they've had... Um, weight loss surgery I find that I think you know their, their bums are sort of flat because they don't have a lot of muscle mass as well mm-hmm. so that is something that can be worked on um, it's hard work in the gym and, and then does deadlifts this and squats and things yeah. to to build up some muscle mass and the skin will 
adapt with that and grow within the shape. Like you're not Correct. restricted by yeah. it being yeah. So you, it's not that you, you know, they're unlikely to be able to squat so much that they're <laughs> going to look like they've got implants in there. But um, for the best, yes, they don't agree. Like so, what's the recovery like for a Brazilian butt lift? Don't know. I don't do that operation. So. I mean, it, it'd be like any fat You Can't sit down for three to four weeks yeah. um, <laughs> at all, or lie on your back. I, is that go. what they actually recommend to know. not sit for? Yeah, you can't sit or lie on your back at all. Like go to the toilet. How's that possible? Yeah, that is not possible mm. at all. Well, what do you? How do you eat? Mm. Standing, Standing up, Standing. <laughs> doing squats to make your muscles get bigger as well. Uh. There was a girl on um, there was like a reality TV show, and I remember like when I was like fourteen, and she got it done, and they just kept filming her, and people would come in to talk to her, and she'd just be like on her front, looking up at them, talking to them, and stuff. Lying down, I couldn't Can't, sit. Like uh, there was a genuine answer that I didn't know. That there's, there's no way you could live your life, yeah, for four weeks on your stomach, which is also probably like adds to these mortality rates, right? Because like if yeah, if that's your too. recovery and like healthcare option afterwards, and you can't stick to it, also an easy out. Also an easy out for the surgeon because yeah. if it doesn't take, you say, did you sit? <laughs> oh, you know that one oh. time I had to sit down to eat my dinner. There you go. Yeah. There you yeah, go. Exactly. That's what like, happened. And like when you're sleeping, you know what I mean. How do you control your body? Crazy. I, yeah, I think any operation that's going to depend on you not sitting is probably one to avoid. So uh, the surgical butt lift, um, mm. because we do do it usually in combination with the front tummy tuck. So that. Uh, lower body lift um, those patients are lying on their backs and it does not compromise their healing or their recovery at all um, usually they find it difficult to lie on their sides um, the, the side scars tend to be a bit sore but they're yeah they're on their back um, most of the time the and can walk and sit <laughs> in a chair and <laughs> do normal things bragging. <laughs> the SBL surgical butt lift yeah we're in a new operation old operation old operation new title <laughs> Um, so as we mentioned, it's got the highest death rate of any plastic surgery. Um, we've talked about recovery weights and insane amounts of fat being injected and the likelihood of your body being able to take that on um, and not have an embolism. Also, I noticed when I Googled BBL, one of the top suggested results are like how much is a BBL in Mexico and then under that in Brazil and then under that in Venezuela – do you think another reason for the high mortality rates is that quite often it's being performed in countries that might not just be at the same standards as around the world or it's just the surgery? Uh, it's possibly a combination of the two. Um, if, you, if you're travelling overseas for surgery, there's a lot of uncontrollables. So um, someone may have the most amazing website online um, and you travel to Venezuela, um, and it may not be the clinic of your of your dreams. So um, there's buyer beware. Um, there, there, there's so much that you can't control if you're planning surgery overseas. And if you have have any issues or problems or complications, then you, you're stuck. But I, I think the scariest thing about this operation, and Kim's right, they're all factors. But the scariest thing about this operation is that it's not necessarily a technical error. Like, it's unpredictable. So yeah. with other surgery that we do, as as you get more skilled, as you get more experience, as you get better, the complications should be decreasing. 
But this is just random. So if it just happens to end up in one of those veins that's going back to your lungs, it's uh, it's all over. And there's there's no salvage. That's the other problem. So some of the complications that we might see sort of you know minor wound healing problems or infections or even the more dramatic things occasional bleeding where you've got to go back to surgery there's interventions that that we can take that actually reverse the problem this is something that you cannot reverse it's in your lungs even if you had the most skilled thoracic surgeon on hand and you're in a hospital that did thoracic surgery there's nothing they can do the other thing that if you've been on the Google with the... <laughs> I've been DVL, on the Google. <laughs> um, is you'll find stories about people that have had things other than fat injected into Ooh, their bums. Yes. Oh, were you going to get to that? Dr. Bum Bum. <laughs> oh. Was charged with the, the death of a patient after over-injecting her butt with a filler called PMMA, which I Googled and is resin. Mm-hmm. Just resin? Yep. Like glue? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there, I remember like there's a story. Yeah, some... some Cut like latex, um, yeah, cut, uh, oil, surely silicon. Oh, for sure. And then because it, it, it kind it came out after Cardi B um, spoke about her kind of close to death brushes with these black market injectors. I mean, in injecting um, non non medical grade uh, anything anything <laughs> into various body parts is is not. Uh, as uncommon as what you think. So there are regularly reports on um, uh, silicon, non-medical grade silicon being injected into lips, into faces, and sometimes it may you, you may dodge a bullet and be okay for a period of time, but eventually it gets infected or some sort of the body has a reaction against it and then it's virtually impossible to remove. Yeah, there was There was a practitioner in this city uh, a number of years ago who is now no longer a doctor um, that was injecting liquid silicon all sorts of places in the face and I've seen a couple of patients try, you know try and do revisions of them but considering even with like proper medical grade silicon you know when you're signing your life away they still say you know could go blind like there's other yeah. there's things that are happening that are risks with the good stuff mm-hmm. um PMMA is a synthetic resin produced oh, uh, a transparent and rigid plastic. It's often used as a substitute for glass in products such as shatterproof windows, skylights, illuminated signs and aircraft canopies. It definitely that sounds like something I want in my bum. Yeah. You have a shatterproof bum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could sit on it without any problems in the recovery. Like, it's probably gone. You can sit after two days, but you do have to let it set. Yep. It's a difference. Otherwise it would be quite sign, flat. Sign me up. I also came across um, quite a few things about fat necrosis in it. What's that? So that's where fat doesn't take. Um, so if uh, you inject, try and inject too much, and Richard talked earlier before about how every fat cell that you're injecting in needs to get a new blood supply or it doesn't survive. So um, there's quite a technique when you're injecting fat wherever. You can't just put a big blob. And what I like to say is, is it's not like polyfiller. So you imagine a hole in your wall and you can just put a big cl- glob of whatever, resin, PMMA, whatever you're going to fill it with in there. Um, Whereas in the body, if you did that, only the parts around the outside are going to take. So that you'd imagine the centre of that 
glob if you put fat in to fill that hole is not going to get a blood supply it's not going to survive and fat what generally then happens to it is it um liquefies and liquefied fat is oil so your body will then form a scar around it and that'll be a hard lump that'll be filled with oil that's essentially what fat necrosis is so if you had lots of globs like that and it doesn't have to be a big hole but you know one to two centimeter size chunk if you have lots of those you can have lots of lumps all throughout so so it's not just the fact that it doesn't take you can get these little pockets of necrosis which become uh i mean dead fat is is a terrific medium for infection Mm. um so the, the potential for getting an overwhelming infection in some of these areas is quite large and yeah, and it doesn't go anywhere. Like the the dead fat kind of it becomes oil, and it doesn't. Your body can't do much with it other than put a scar on the outside. And that's fascinating because obviously the death rate isn't stopping people, right? But mm. like, if you think you were more like, it's only one in two thousand. Like, yeah, that's not <laughs> but that like it's, it's still a growing exponentially. So people are like, I'll risk it because it's like if six of your friends have had it and none of them have died. That's mm. the experience you're using, right? Like you're not using studies, you're using anecdotal experience. Mm. But if six of your friends had really lumpy bums, that'd probably put somebody off more, honestly. They're probably not talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like All the irregularities and, and yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to get it smooth and even. And yeah. if you had slight, if you put 500 on each side and 50 didn't take on one side or 100 didn't take on one side, it's. Yes, yeah, not going to look even. That's so fascinating. And I mean, what you're talking about there, a hundred out of five hundred is an eighty percent take rate, which is that's pretty good with fat grafting. Mm-hmm. So the the butter, you know, probably not a, like other things we've talked about, pressure and maybe not as good blood supply, supply and bigger volumes. Eighty percent would be very aspirational in a in a, uh, a Brazilian butt lift. So. If, so if you're maybe talking about 60% and you, you've injected uh, 500 cc's, that's um, 400 cc's that is dead sitting in your bum. I mean, so that's not great. Crazy. I know. Um, Don't do this at home. Yeah. <laughs> I know you have a or, sieve, or but put it down a, and stop Or in the operating room. And a table Near spray. you. <laughs> So we've talked about how in previous podcasts about how BBL rates were very much a craze with you guys some years ago and have dropped quite significantly in your anecdotal experience. But since 2015, the number of butt lifts performed globally has grown about 77% according to a survey done this year. So it's still growing exponentially around the world. It's the fastest growing cosmetic surgery in the world. What do you think the ramifications are of following a trend like this, knowing that the ideal body shape will likely change again? One of my colleagues actually in Sydney had the most fantastic um, little meme even of of beauty standards over the years and how um, that that large but super skinny waist is currently a trend. And it's purely that, it's a trend. And what's going to happen when that trend sort of disappears and, and we actually get we get online inquiries for do we do this procedure and no we don't do this procedure but we also get online inquiries for people that have had this procedure and say can you do liposuction of my butt because I've had that I've had too much fat injected into it or 
if they've then gone and put weight on, it's going to massively accentuate that area. And it's extraordinarily difficult then to fix because um, we don't normally do liposuction of the butt anyway because poor quality skin, it's hard to get a good shape. So, um, you know, if, you, if you've if you got a, a big butt because it's got fatty tissue in it, you're not normally going to do liposuction on it. So if you've had this a Brazilian butt lift and then you want it reversed, for want of a better word, it, yeah, yeah really difficult i think the saddest thing about all of this and it's just come out sort of in during this year is that a lot of this aspirational and we mentioned earlier uh where this trend sort of really took off and and a certain family and then it's come out that a lot of those photos were photoshopped uh and i think there was is there there's legal action pending that someone posted a photo or that wasn't photoshopped and or maybe expose that they had photoshopped a, f- a photo. So the trend isn't necessarily even an actual trend. It's, it, it's something imaginary that's not even achievable. And I, I think we talk a lot about the power of social media and I- empowering um, people to find out more about plastic surgery and what is available. Uh, that's certainly sort of the dark side of um, social media and its relationship to plastic surgery that... Um, people are seeing these things which are not necessarily real or achievable and then trying to get them and then ultimately maybe not wanting them down the track. Yeah, I think it's it's just really hard and I know that Kim did a Facebook Live on it recently about the difference between following Chen's and, you know, you see we have for the most part very like normal women who just kind of want to go either back to what they had or like just live their lives more comfortably because like – massive weight loss has left them with really uncomfortable skin they need an abdominoplasty whatever the case may be um but it's hard when you see these trends that you know that it's like the fact that we've had ideal body types go from twiggy to audrey hepburn to not in that order but you know to cardi b it's like to follow those kind of trends with your permanent body modification is a very risky business very risky. Do you? What's your advice for somebody looking to undergo a BBL? Don't do it. It's probably the first thing I would say. Um, and as Richard said, like we don't do this operation. So if someone inquires, um, we we don't see them purely for that. Um, still, sometimes when I'm doing consult for something else, uh, patients will will mention it. And uh, once I explain a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about today and you know the risks and the outcomes and the um, you know realistically what you can achieve and what it might look like you know I ask them to sort of think not just about this year what they what they might look like in five years and 10 years 20 years and then it's uh, they you know almost always get it so it's not like we're not saying oh we're not doing this because we you know we don't think you should do it there's if, once you explain the reasons why, um, and it's the same with other operations that we uh, advise patients against, and there'll still be a handful of people that will go elsewhere and get it, and you know they might come back to us in ten years and say, "Whoops, uh, what can you do about it now?" And you know, you're on the back foot. It's pretty tricky. I saw a really annoying one of our <laughs> different cosmetic surgeon in Australia and like their three sizes for Brazilian butt lifts were like, they're like, so you, you either want the sports illustrated one or 
there was like a middle one with like there was another celebrity's name or the Kim Kardashian. And they're like, they're the three you asked for. And if I was like, that's not proof that that that's surgery ridiculous. is wow. stupid. Yeah, that's I don't crazy. know what else you need. You're going to have to share that with the, us after this. Yeah, the the link will not be in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, actually I have a, a similar analogy to years ago when I was um, a trainee and yeah, the, a surgeon that I was sitting in when he was consulting and he would basically say, someone come into a breast augment um, consult, I said, do you want small, medium or large? And that was kind of the entire discussion about size and shape. Um, times have changed a lot since then. <laughs> Again, I'm going to get names afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it, it is interesting. I mean, there are some surgeries that Kim and I don't perform, but we generally would know someone who does do it, who we're confident with, who we know, they're colleagues of ours and we'll refer you on. This is one where if someone asks me about it and I say I'm not doing it and if they asked who would you go to, I've got no answer. Mm. But but that's because we yeah. think safety is sort of number one and yeah. and it's not we're not offering it to you because we can't do it. It's because we you know, think it's a bad idea. Whereas, you know, if someone is a suitable patient for a rhinoplasty or a facelift, we would recommend someone good for them to go to yeah. um, because it's a, a, you know, if they're a suitable patient, it's a safe and um, well-proven operations. If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics, so send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today, and we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery. Plastic surgery.